Hello there and welcome to another episode of Thought Architecture. I'm your host, Justin, and let's let's dive into how to frame things properly. So in this episode, what I want to talk about is how to consume content and more specifically how I consume content and the purposes and the reasons behind this. Now, I know what you're thinking like, oh, another Tim Ferriss productivity guru or some crap like that. But the, the simple fact is, no, it's not like that. And everything behind thought architecture is about elegant mental solutions. And the simple point is this, is that most people, when they consume content, they consume all content as equal. And so you find people actually staying away from certain forms of content because it's intimidating or something like that. So the first point that I'd like to touch on is very simply put, the purpose of your consumption. Why are you consuming this content? And when I say content, I am talking about anything. I'm talking about newspapers. I'm talking about magazines, articles in those magazines. Um, you know, which sections of those magazines or newspapers are you going to? I'm talking about podcasts. I am talking about movies. I'm talking about YouTube videos. I'm talking about anything and everything that you can consume as a consumer of content. So the purpose of the content is actually very important. So for most people, it's not it's not that important to be able to signify what's the difference in the purpose of consumption. You know, like, are we talking about, oh, I'm consuming this content for fun. You know, most people don't really care about that kind of thing. And so when we talk about purpose of consumption, it's for people whose time is actually limited or they want to achieve something. They, they, they need a remedy. You need a remedy to this problem of, but how do I put the time and effort in in order to gain skill or knowledge and awareness? Okay, so let's bring this in. Um, if you are consuming something for pleasure, absolutely enjoy it. Uh, there is uh, a marker, doc, uh, Dr. Barbara Fredrickson obviously talks about this in her Broaden and Builden theory. Um, a lot of people know the spiritual practices of gratitude and, and things like that. And, and I say this with a hint of sarcasm because I don't believe in, in gratitude in those kinds of ways, but I do believe in enjoyment and pleasure and inviting more of that kind of stuff of seeking to appreciate things. So imagine that this content is kind of like a, a fine wine, a meal that you're enjoying, a piece of chocolate, um, you know, to savor. And that savoring is to focus on when you're experiencing pleasure, you know, just enjoy, lose yourself and experience pleasure, allow yourself that kind of a break. So I think that that's very important is that when you're consuming something for pleasure, let it be for pleasure, absolutely, you know, and savor it and really enjoy it. There's a richness to it. Um, if the purpose of consuming the content is literally to then share that with another person, you know, then that changes things as well. It, it becomes about how you can integrate your community into the consumption of this thing or, or doing these things together. Now, let's say for specific practices, if you are consuming content for the, the uh, acquisition of knowledge, okay? So what do, what, do I mean? what do I mean when I say this? What am I talking about? Well, um, very simply put, let's say you're a small business owner like myself and you wanna learn more about how to manage your books you want to learn more about, uh, I'm, a, I'm a dog owner, so how about dog training? Or my particular goal this year is to increase my time in the cardio domain. I want to spend more time increasing my cardio and, and gaining knowledge and experience in cardio. And so how do we do this? How do we approach this? So a lot of people, they come up with a brute force or the, the, the brute solution, which is just do it, just do it, just do it, just do it. And I'm sorry, but that doesn't fly with me. 
I'm very sorry, but I do not like brute force solutions. It is a lot of time and energy to dedicate to something which might or might not pay off. You know, like, cool, we're just going to do this thing and do this thing and do this thing. But we're humans. We have a brain for a reason. You know, we do have strategy. So <clears throat> if you're interested in, in, in creating a solution for yourself, one of the things that I do in, in, in my system that I coach people in is actually to find, first of all, a metric. Like, did you do the thing, yes or no? But all of this is around a second metric as well, which is how did you do the thing? What was the strategy that you used? What was the manner that you achieved your time in that domain? And so playing between these two of it is very important that you achieve time in the domain, number one, but then number two is that what you did in that time spent is going to be important. Okay, so in saying that, let's go and let's use John Verveke, Professor John Verveke out of University of Toronto um, on the crisis of meaning. He's, he's a great, great um, orator. I would highly recommend his work. Um, he defines four types of knowledge, and I've kind of manipulated that, and I've, I've, I use it in my own way as well to define the differences between, number one is there's a abstract knowing, so a book smarts that you need. You, could, you need to read up on all the techniques on, let's say, how to do a push-up right? Read up on all the markers that people talk about to bring a, a certain level of awareness to get the broad strokes of what everyone is saying about how to do it, how to program it, um, how much can you expect out of yourself, what are going to be limiting factors, all of that type of knowledge. You do need to get a, a map of the area that you're trying to explore. And so a consumption of material is important, okay? So abstract knowing is important in the learning process but it's one part of the learning process then after that John Verveke talks about having process knowledge procedural knowledge the ability to practice is important so drilling it again and again and again and in here we can isolate parts out and drill specific parts and we can integrate parts and we can improvise and we can push ourselves and things like that so process knowledge is literally the idea of knowing through doing repeatedly Okay. The third type of knowledge that he talks about is obviously experiential knowledge. So let's say without reading books on doing push-ups or anything like that, or training push-ups or anything like that, um, you've got the simple idea of you were in a boot camp and they forced you to do like a thousand push-ups a day or something like that. And like it took you forever to recover from it. But now you've got uh, an experience in your body. A body actually remembers doing this amount of work. And maybe you've got a trauma response to it, or maybe you've got an awesome response to it. Who knows? But you've got an experience, and that experiential knowing is there as well. And then the fourth type is what I like to call, uh, what he calls it the agent arena. But I like, to, I like to talk about it more as like the wisdom knowing, right? As in you have a certain amount of wisdom around this because you've got experience, you've got process, and you've got abstract knowledge. And so you're able to contextualize what approach is better for what and where. Okay, so contextualization. It's not something that we can really train, but it's something that comes along when we try to teach others. And so it's a good idea that we can also call this, this type of knowing uh, teaching. And so the, the simple form of it, you can't teach someone if you have no experience, no procedural knowledge, and no actual abstract knowledge as well. So the deeper you go into all three of these, the more you're going to be able to teach someone. And your ability to position yourself and know 
where you are in your journey in the development compared to other people, compared to the person that you're trying to teach is super important as well. And so you could teach someone who's further along than you as a way of revising and sharing what you've learned so far. So that's a good way to do it as well. Now, let's reel it back into what I'm talking about. And what I'm actually discussing is how to increase your abstract knowledge in a very short span of time so that you can dive into the procedural knowledge as well. Okay, so my own examples are cardio, dog training, uh, let's say marketing, bookkeeping, things like that, okay? So it works on this very simple point is that everything that I consume has got the purpose of this consumption is to increase my knowledge in these areas. Great, fantastic, okay. So what do I do? Any knowledge that I consume on these levels, be it um, podcasts, YouTube videos, be it articles, Okay, all of this content, I consume it at a very fast pace. Okay, so why? Why do I do this? Well, it's very simple. The brain has an autocomplete function. Okay, so there are a few more things to discuss. Let's quickly talk about the brain. Okay, if I say um, uh, a phrase that's very typical in English, let's say the early bird gets the... Right. So if you're familiar with English and English idioms, your brain is going to autocomplete and say the animal or the thing that the early bird gets. Okay. And the fact that I'm not saying it, you're like, yeah, but it's obvious. It's obvious. Just say it. Just say it. Yeah, it might be obvious. But for some people, it's not. And so when we are confirming information and validating information, it's very important. But if I said that entire sentence slowly to you, piece by piece, the early bird what i'm doing is i'm actually forcing your brain your working memory to hold each piece and remind yourself of each piece while you're trying to make sense of what i'm saying so actually there's a speed of processing that our working memory is used to and so it's my belief that everybody should try to push the level on their working memory processing why not because we want to be smarter, faster, or anything like that, but just that we're comfortable and confident with information and we're not overwhelmed by anything. So it's about increasing our neuroresiliency, our tolerance to this type of thing. And this is one of the, uh, the 10 threads of life that I believe that you should uh, try to exercise regularly. And so this is going to be the cognitive side of it. Okay, so if you're interested in that, um, check out my 10 threads of life. Uh, podcast episode that I made. It was a couple couple episodes ago, and uh, and you'll you'll get more on that. Um, so the idea is that the brain has a certain speed of processing things, and so it's actually easier for us to process at a at a speed that's comfortable for us. Now, when you push that speed up, it means you can process more information. True, and also if we are looking for details, we usually need to go a little bit slower. Think about how we, you know, when we're looking for a street address, driving in our car, we'll turn down the volume and ask people not to speak to us so we can actually search for this particular detail. And so in this case, our working memory is trying to focus in on something specific. And what I'm saying is that the purpose of this initial consumption is not to expressly look for details, but to try and get a broad overview. You want to hear what, what vocabulary do people use a lot? What kind of things do people say? So let me give you an example. Let me just dive into an example. Okay. Uh, so I want to increase my cardio. So who's out there who's got great cardio? 
understanding. So I came across someone, his name is, um, oh, I can't remember his name now. Oh my gosh, how terrible am I? Uh, it is, his website is aerobiccapacity.com. His name is Chris, uh, Chris Hinshaw. That's right, Chris Hinshaw, aerobiccapacity.com. And this guy goes into so much about aerobic capacity, how to train aerobic capacity, but there are five different types of cardio, strength, endurance, um, you know, aerobic capacity, VO2 max, lactate threshold, and then um, anaerobic endurance. And he goes into so much detail, it's phenomenal. So what I did was, first and foremost, is I probably consumed about 10 hours of content um, in a very short space of time. It took me, you know, let's say between four to five hours to consume this content to get uh, his his name as well. And And of course, I, I do believe in the social brain. So I also asked a lot of people, like, what did you do to increase your uh, your cardio? And, and a lot of people who were saying things to me like, oh, I just got out there and I ran and I just ran and or I just got on the bike for 30 minutes a day and I just go. You know, that's a brute force solution straight away. The fact that there's no contextualization, the fact that there's there's nothing a little bit more strategic about it. I'm like, yes, you're spending time in the domain. You are going to see results, but you are definitely not maximizing those results. You're definitely not understanding the mechanics and therefore your understanding of uh, how to leverage it for yourself to get the best result for yourself as well is not there. So consumed some content, found his name, awesome people, found his name, great, consumed a lot of his content. And I found the broad strokes of what he talks about. And <clears throat> he also mentioned one of his programs in, in one of his pieces of content. So all I did was I note, where did he mention his program? I didn't try to remember it or anything like that. And I came back to it later. And surprise, surprise, my brain was able to very, very simply narrow down that field that I was looking for that detail. Just like you don't drive through the entire neighborhood slowly looking for the same numbers. You identify where you are and then you, you know, so, okay, it's this podcast or it's this neighborhood. And then you drive to more or less where that location is, which is, oh, it's going to be the street or, oh, it's going to be this time period in the video or something like that. So going along those lines, the idea is that the... The, the example that I'm trying to use was that I paid attention to his broad strokes and I got a good sense of what cardio is, how can I define cardio, how can I program cardio, and then I went back and I found his example uh, program, which was phenomenal, and uh, I highly recommend his work to anyone, and so the consumption of this made me much more confident in what are the metrics to pay attention to that I can leverage so I can see progress and I can measure progress, I can measure accomplishment, I can measure time spent in the domain. Right. So this is all, again, how does the brain handle this? Well, the the idea is also now, what I'm talking about is consuming content at like, let's say, two times the speed. Okay, so if you're looking, if you're listening on a podcast, um, I will actually give an example. I'll, I'll record um, uh, an ass, uh, assistant video to this podcast where you can see examples of exactly what are the tools that I use to consume content um, or how fast to use the content. But if I've got uh, an article, for example, I will then read along with, uh, there's an app called Speechify, which I then put onto my Google Chrome as an extension. And... I can read and listen simultaneously. 
And what that means is that with more forms of inputs, your brain doesn't really have to worry about the comprehension because the audio is going to um, pick up any gaps that are left by the reading as well as the reading is going to pick up any gaps left by the audio in your mind. So that dual form of input is very good. It means that my brain spends less work on the comprehension of the actual vocabulary, the language, and more work on the comprehension of the concepts that are being put down and more work basically being able to summarize and revise it in my mind and filter it down. Okay, so that's very important. Um, the other thing is that also if I'm consuming video, I can see the gesticulation, I can see how people are talking, I can see the cadence that they're that they're using or the, the body language, the facial expressions, etc. Uh, that's also important. And then if there is also um, a little bit of subtitling, that also helps. A lot of this is also, like I said, because there are going to be useful sections and then there's going to be story time and there's going to be filler and there's going to be that type of thing. So when I consume books as well, I prefer audiobooks. Why? Because I can speed it up. There's so much filler that um, just listening to it, yes, I can get, okay, now he's telling a story, I can check out. I can uh, go and walk my dog or something like that. Or... Um, okay, now we're back in. Now I've got to pay a little bit more attention. It helps you with that. If I'm sitting down and doing something, I can't consume as much information. So sitting down with a book and reading that book, it's it it creates a little bit more of a constraint, a limitation in my life. So I do prefer audiobooks because you can be more mobile. I do prefer podcasts, etc. If I'm cooking, I'll put on a YouTube video that is of a podcast so I can every now and again look around and see the gesticulation. So there are certain instances where it's super important for this type of thing. Okay. Am I alone in the way that I consume this content? Well, at this point in time, I have to assume that I am because everyone that I've spoken to, and maybe I just speak to people who prefer slow consumption, but everyone that I've spoken to does not consume content like this or is surprised that there's a button that allows you to manipulate speed on YouTube or a button on a podcast that allows you to go 1.5 times faster. But people usually are a little bit surprised that, you know, I'll consume a YouTube video at 2.5 or 3, 3x the speed. Um, so it does depend on the context. I don't always do it. If I'm watching a, a movie with my wife, I'm not going to put it on at like three times speed. But um, when I've been cooking recently, I decided, you know what? I never finished that TV series that I started in the 90s. Found it on a streaming service and um, put it on my computer. And as I was cooking, I was watching this at 2.5 speed as well with subtitles because I don't really care about engaging with it, but I want to know what happened at the, at the end. Like, come on. And so to in order to do that, well, let me just catch up on what I've missed as well, like what I've forgotten. It's been, what, 30 years, 25 years since I've seen this thing. So let me let me go for it. All right. So there is one other idea with this is that what I'd highly recommend is getting yourself a pair of earbuds when you're doing this type of content consumption, because when it's right next to you and you don't have to worry about um, input interference or signal interference, it really helps a lot. Okay. So this is really, uh, just to revise, this has been how I consume content and specifically the purpose of the content. And I've done this. I probably consumed over 40 hours of dog training, videos, philosophies, etc., to get myself a little bit of knowledge to arm myself so that I could train my dog. Uh, marketing knowledge as well so that I can best apply marketing strategies 
uh, I can see what works and what doesn't work, and specifically how to how to personalize and contextualize it to my own stuff, my own needs. And so that's been very important for me. So this has been Thought Architecture. I've been Justin. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you are interested in what we've got to say, please um, do us a favor, leave a, a review. If you're listening to this on on any podcast mechanism, trust me, Spotify now has a way for you to leave reviews, uh, five stars, you know, greatly appreciated. Just leave a couple of words. That would be lovely. Um, if you're consuming this on YouTube, please feel free to um, write something in the comments below. Let me know what you're thinking about this. Um, if you're engaged by it or not, you know, I'd love a, a comment, a subscription or whatever, you know, any type of support that you can give just means that more of this kind of stuff is going to come out. And so participating is actually the name of the game. I would love to build a community of people like-minded who are interested in similar things. Who doesn't want a community like that? <laughs> and uh, and finally, um, if you go to my website, www.justinnoppe, that's N-O-P-P-E, November Oscar Papa Papa Echo, dot com, justinnoppe.com, um, there's all kinds of ways to interact as well as well as there will be, um, you know, an archive of the podcast previously as well. I, I spend most of my time really with the podcast on Spotify. So if that's, um, you know, something that you pay attention to, uh, there's a lot of presence there. So thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, let me know what you think. Let me know uh, how you how you intend or how you consume information, how you intend to utilize this information. It'll all be great. I'd love to hear more from you. But until then... I've been Justin, this has been Thought Architecture, and you have been absolutely wonderful. Take care. Bye-bye.